that's what has been my biggest joy and biggest teaching being back home is what does it mean to be a good steward and a good partner with the natural world? And I try to reinforce that with my paintings to remind people like there's so many stories and experiences and I just want to share them with people. Welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Cole Primo. And I'm your other host, Leah Lem. Miigwech for joining us. Native Lights is at its core a place for Native folks to tell their stories. And every week we have great conversations with wonderful guests from a bunch of different backgrounds. And they all have this great mix of passions. And we talk to them about their gifts and how they share those gifts with their community. And it all centers around purpose in our lives. And another day, Cole, another opportunity to amplify Native voices. How are you doing? I'm doing great, you know. Just went on a nice bike ride with Ma, and she is totally much better athlete than I am over the weekend. And... <laughs> Mom is fit. Uh, Marie and I, we uh, rented <laughs> some electric bikes. And, of course, her and uh, her husband, Reed, uh, we're on just manual, regular bikes. And I'm like, you know, I have, I'm kind of out of the game. I, why don't I just zip around in the electric bike, you know? But yeah, they uh, they put us to shame a bit. I hope yeah. to be that active, you know, as the years go on. And I'm very proud of her for doing that. It's great. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. How you it been? skipped over me, that uh, <laughs> athletic ability. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Miss Marathon Runner. That's true. I would say I jogged marathons. I'm not sure if run is quite the word. <laughs> but yeah, I'm doing great. Things are great back in northern Minnesota. Sweating. Um, yeah, just kind of getting the getting the mind right for the next phase of things, next uh, school year, uh, things like that. So yeah, pretty fun. It's actually kind of funny uh, talking about today's episode. I w was getting ready for it, and then I realized and I was looking around and I saw something that you had given me before, which was a piece of artwork. And I'm, hey, I'm like, hey, we're going to be interviewing this guy, and I didn't, I just didn't even realize that I have his artwork. And it's because I, I was looking through, you know, images of our guests' artwork, and I'm like, that looks a lot like. The style that you gave me. Anyways. What's well, on my wall? <laughs> I, it's on your wall, right? Yeah, it's got a striking style to it. And mm -hmm. yes, let's get into it. Like, I mean, we got to talk about it. Yeah. Yes. So our guest today is Sam Zimmerman, Jawano Gijic. He is a painter who is based in Duluth. I believe he moved back to Minnesota after two decades of working in public education on the East Coast and, you know, rededicated himself to his artwork and his artwork explores uh, his Ojibwe heritage, as well as his learnings and experiences in nature after returning to his ancestral homelands, uh, the Grand Portage Reservation. And there's, of course, a lot more that goes into his work, and we're very much looking forward to hearing all about that and more on his studio and his story. And uh, here he is. Boujou, Sam. Boujou. Sam Zerman Indijnikaz, Jawanugizik Ojibwe Mangaji Jakindudam. I'm Sam Zimmerman, um, uh, Crane Clan. Uh, my family is from Grand Portage, and I'm joining you from Duluth, Minnesota. Is there anything that's on the top of your mind right now 
anything that you're getting excited for or just thinking about kicking around? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Uh, I'm part of a group show right now at the Echo Gallery uh, in Duluth. Um, and that that's a group show with uh, Tashia Hart and Shanoa. And that just opened on Saturday. And so that's really exciting. It's the first time, you know, having a gallery show in a couple of years with with the pandemic and whatnot. Um, I'm working on a children's book uh, for uh, a second children's book in a story about Zoggy from uh, Ali Tibbetts, who's a Fond du Lac children's book writer. So she has me illustrating this little girl uh, talking to the winter maker, which is kind of fun to bring that constellation into like a character. Um, and, uh, my book just got re-released in paperback, which is kind of weird. I thought I was done with a book tour and then I was told that I wasn't done, but I thought I was. Um, and so that just got, uh, released from the Minnesota Historical Society Press. And so it's just been a really kind of busy summer. So I'm just trying to find time to go hide and sweat in my studio. And you said your book is getting, uh, published to paperback. That's following my spirit home. Yeah. I'm actually working on a children's book with the Historical Society Press with my cousin Travis, who works at the Mille Lacs uh, Museum. Mm-hmm. And we're we're illustrating a story of my great-grandmother from Bad River. So it's, it's kind of interesting working with family on a book now instead of just being giving, given a story. Mm-hmm. So this was a story that how the birds got their song. Oh. So preserving that story in both languages. Oh, wow. Yeah. Great. Wow, there's so much then. You mentioned the Echo Gallery exhibit, um, doing illustrations for another book, and then, of course, your paperback, uh, Following My Spirit Home, and now you have a children's book you're working on, um, a family story, it sounds like. So why don't we talk a bit about the Echo Show? Can you tell me a little bit about it? Give us an overview, and what do you have on exhibit there? Um, well, it's a, the the gallery show. Um, the title of the exhibit is Indigenous Expressions, Love, Culture, and Reinvention. And so um, working on these paintings, I working on these paintings for about six months, seven months. I think I have 14 pieces. And this is the first time where I've started to work in watercolor. I'm typically an acrylic or ink artist. Um, but from working on the previous children's book, people were like, you should really think about doing more work in watercolor. And I am kind of was kind of opposed to it. Because um, when I think of watercolor, I think of like, kind of, you know, like flowers or, you know, boats on the water, like, and how could I use watercolor with the, the man of do the animal spirits that I love painting. And so uh, this is the first time I've really put taken certain spirits, animal spirits or fish spirits and painted them both in acrylic and watercolor. And I'm working in different sizes. I'm working in circle canvases instead of just squares. I did a bench. I've never done a bench outside of public art. So I did this huge bench of a makwa coming down to the water. And so it was really just kind of pushing, like just taking risk and just trying new things with this show. Um, and it was just a lot of fun. And Aiko has been really supportive. And like Tashia Hart's there, her illustration work for, you know, and uh, Shanoa Williams' work is there. She's an incredible uh, maker in beads. And um, she really brings a lot of contemporary modern themes. And it was just, it's a really fun show. So it's kind of interesting to see us 
you know, all all of us being indigenous, but working in such really different medias together. I was kind of curious about that. You know, it's a group art exhibition. So are you like kind of working with the other artists to showcase your work? Like, how does how does that work? I think we all just worked in our strengths and our interest, and then thought about what are the themes or what what's what, what's the universal things that we're all working in. And, you know, and that's where, you know, working with the ECO team, coming up with that theme of there's, you know, it's the love of our culture, culture being at the center of it and how we, you know, make or express, but then also the reinvention of, you know, we're working in, we're working in mediums or with topics that are, aren't the norm, you know, Shinoa beaded uh, the Terminator from the movie you know, to she is working in digital art, which isn't, you know, a traditional medium. I'm working in watercolors and on furniture, which, you know, and so it's, it's just, yeah, it's just a really dynamic, fun show to be a part of. You were talking about illustrating uh, for a, a book. Like, how does that relationship go? Like, when you're when you're building the illustrations for the, the narrative, uh, like, how do you know what they want and... How does that all go? Um, well, I think it, it it depends on who you're working with. Like, I've done a number of books for Black Bear and Blueberries. Uh, you know, that's uh, Tom and Betsy Peacock's publishing house. And it's Indigenous authors um, and with around Indigenous stories or themes. And so um, that is, you know, it's a, it's a trusting relationship to trust me to illustrate. You know, there's certainly been times when I've gotten feedback like, Sam, why doesn't this character look happy if they're out sugar bushing? And I'm like, they're happy. And they're like, they don't look happy. So like, you know, having to go back and rework it or or getting that feedback. Because like on the one side is like when I'm sitting there creating is like, I fall in love with whatever I've done. And like get a little sensitive when someone's like, well, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, this is, this is and like, and so being able to be open to that is it, it takes a trusting relationship to not take it personal and to accept that feedback because the idea is ultimately is we want little kids to see these stories and love these stories and fall in love with the language. Cause most of the children's books that I've done are bilingual. They're not English only children's books, you know, and that's really important. So you kind of have to step back and remember to approach it in a good way and, you know, working with my cousin right now, though, on this other one, that's a whole different dynamic because we're family. So we certainly uh, have had, we've certainly exchanged some texts that I'm sure would be really nice to be read aloud. Um, but uh, but it's fun because it goes back to language and stories. And um, it's just a lot of fun. I loved reading books. And so I get excited about thinking about kids opening this book and and learning our learning Ojibwe Moen or learning our stories. So, um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. How do you come up with what the characters look like and what the world looks like? Some of it, well, it's interesting. The one that I'm working on right now, I'm actually working on three books at the same time. And so it's kind of fun because it's like after a couple pages in one, I'm like, I don't want to look at this character anymore. And I go back and now I'm painting birds for a book. And I'm like, Okay, I'm done with birds. Let me go back over here, you know. And I think about with characters is sometimes the author has shared with me, like, this character is based on my daughter or my cousin and might share some elements or some things for me to think about, like their hair color or the way they smile. Uh, sometimes uh, authors have said, 
I just wrote a story. I trust you. I love your, you know, I love how you illustrate. I love your painting. So I trust you 100%. Um, which that makes me, that's a little bit more, that makes me more nervous because I want to do a good job. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't know what they want, but I'll, you know, and so I just sit down and I, there's times when I go outside and just kind of pray and, you know, and just think about it, like, you know, and think about and just imagine this character and we'll sketch it out and then I'll start to put it down and then something will happen or I'll share it with somebody and they'll give me feedback and, um, you know, sometimes someone will say something to me like, oh, my, when my little girl was a little one, she had a red jacket that she loved. And so now the character in the story will have a red jacket because someone told me about when they were little, they had a red jacket or, um, you know, an author shared with me about her grandmother wearing this beautiful turquoise, uh, had this beautiful turquoise shawl. And so when I was illustrating a book and we were talking about Nana Bajou's mother or grandmother, she now had a turquoise shawl because that just stuck in my head. So I like to incorporate those kinds of things. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Sam Zimmerman, an accomplished painter who explores his Ojibwe heritage and his artwork, all while continuing the Anishinaabe tradition of storytelling. You worked in public education for two decades as a special education teacher, school leader, and deputy superintendent. And it sounds like you're drawn to illustrating books for youth. Is there any connection there between being an educator and illustrating? Any lessons that you've learned from your previous work that you bring into your current work? Yeah, I mean, I remember when I was a teacher or, you know, whenever I was worked as an educator, you know, it's I've, as, a, as a teacher, I would work with children to help them read. And I work with children with disability. And and kids would always tell me they couldn't read, but they would get excited by the cover of a book, right? And I remember I had a child who, you know, that's when Harry Potter was a big deal and got all excited about reading it, but they couldn't read it because they didn't have the skills, but they got excited by the cover. Like they wanted to read it. They wanted to open the book. And so whenever I bought books for my either my students or for my schools and principal was what do those books look like? Like how like visually um, where a kid will take it off the shelf or a librarian will read it in a public library or um, and I even think about that when I'm designing the book. I'm actually looking up right now because I have some rough sketches for some old books is think about how the teacher holds the book. Like, you know, how big the characters need to be. So if that a teacher's holding the book, reading to kids, are they going to have to be right on top of the teacher to see the picture? You know, what kind of colors to use to keep them visually, like, interested in a book, you know? And um, that certainly goes into thought. I mean, I have this bookshelf behind me. It's just filled with children's books. To, you know, that I either bought as a teacher or they've been gifted or they were ones that I just thought just they were beautifully illustrated. And so every once in a while, I have to put my work down and go look at others and think about like, you know, here, here are other artists or authors that I respect and admire. Because sometimes when you're illustrating, you get so lost in what you're doing that you can't like you can't be objective anymore because you're now you're too far into the book. And so you need to step away. Uh, let's let's go a little further back. Like, what inspired your passion with uh, you know painting, art, and just all of that? 
Where did where did that interest come from? I was not the kid that had crayons or markers or painted as a child. I was not that kid. I was the outdoor kid, like, let me go find cool rocks and see what's underneath it. And when I went to college, I switched majors into art, into painting and art therapy. And I became a teacher, an educator uh, as an art teacher. And then I realized um, I fell in love with teaching more than I fell in love with painting. Uh, When I hit my 40s, I took a trip. I've spoken about it before, but I went to Alaska and I saw all the Saxman village and the totems and this beautiful art that was being used to tell stories of those people in those communities. And it just kind of like a switch went off with me where I was like, I know how to paint. I studied painting. I studied art. Why am I not painting? You know, and with coming home and, you know, certainly a slower speed than the East coast of living in New York and Massachusetts. And, um, I just started painting again. And, um, you know, when Leah visited me, I was just in the middle of the construction of the studio, um, having a space to create and to just share stories and share my experiences. All my paintings are based on things that have actually happened to me, Um, whether it's the animals that I've met or the stories that have been told. But everything, it's almost like an autobiography approach to painting is... um, you know, whether it's, you know, a white Admiral, Admiral Butterfly that I saw at Black Beach to a bear that was crossing when I was driving. Um, so I just paint what I see and what I experience. Something that uh, is really striking to me about your work when I, I scroll through, for instance, your Instagram feed is uh, you'll you'll paint the animal, but in inside the animal, there's like another story going on. Could you talk about just that, that whole because like there's this crane that I'm looking at that it's got like a fire inside of it, and just yeah, what what is that? Well, the, the, the Aji Jock carries the medicine. Um, you know, I'm obviously well, I'm I'm Aji Jock and Dudum Crane Clan. Um, there's something about different animals that have for me different spirits, and you know, I think about like when I I discovered Norval Marso's work where he would have you know animals within 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 animals um and these really beautiful compositions where i think with my animals or the different things that i'm painting it's not so much um stories it's trying to capture a feeling or a spirit within the animal um you know and so with the aji jack carries the medicine covid was certainly rough on all of us and i think sometimes as artists or just artists, people that I speak to, we use our art, you know, to express our emotions and where we are. And um, whether it's music or writing or painting or beating or, you know, whatever we're doing. And so for me, my animal, the the animals and things that I represent are really snapshots of what my emotions are in that experience or my own emotions. And um, they, they, those are what I try to incorporate into whatever animal or subject or whatever I'm painting. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're speaking with Sam Zimmerman, an accomplished painter who explores his Ojibwe heritage and his artwork, all while continuing the Anishinaabe tradition of storytelling. It seems like uh, returning home is a big part of your story, uh, can you talk about, you know, 
that process? What, you know, what pulled you back from, from the East Coast? Well, it's funny because now powwows, you know, rendezvous in just a few days. Coming home to my family, whether, you know, I have family all over Minnesota, but coming home twice a year was okay in my 20s. Coming home three times, two or three times a year in my 30s was okay, but it wasn't enough. I mean, the fact that I can pull over on the side of a road and sit there and watch, you know, eagles on a deer kill and they're just so powerful or or like, you know, just sitting on the lake and and just watching the sky and the water. These were things that these were things that I did not I wasn't able to do living in New York. And it just I was my spiritually I was just exhausted. I was lonely, I missed my family, I missed the beauty. Um, I missed my home that called me home. And, you know, and that's why the book is titled Following My Spirit Home. And, you know, it's just there. I know it sounds kind of, you know, it's it sounds kind of, you know, hokey or whatever, but it's truly is as you older that you being so far away for so many years, um, I just couldn't do it anymore. And and I also missed my parents and my my siblings and my cousins and you know, I was just like, am I going to move home at 55 when I'm able to retire? My parents are going to be in their late 70s, early 80s. Like, why would I wait to come home just because there's this number that says this is when I can retire from, you know, working in the schools? And I was like, no, that doesn't matter. The, all that time, I can't, I, I don't want to lose any more time. And so I came home and, you know, the fact that I can get up in the morning get a cup of coffee and be up north of Silver Bay in under two hours where before I would have to like ask for vacation time and make sure my schools were covered and, you know, and travel. Like I can't tell you how many suitcases were lost by the airlines over 20 years, you know? Um, but now I can just get in the car and see my parents when I want to see my aunties and uncles and whoever I want when I want to. And it's amazing. And you talked about growing up as a child who got out in nature a lot. Like that was a big part of your life, a big motivation. Do you find yourself still like consciously making that decision to get out into nature and meet these relatives that you'll then paint? Yeah. I mean, it's funny, like, you know, people have been in the car with me when I've seen something that I need to immediately stop. And, you know, I grab my Asema off the pow, off the the deck or the dash and it goes flying and the hazards go on and everyone's like, you know, um, is, you know, I was just in Malax last weekend for a book signing and um, with Tom and Betsy and, and I was just down there and I found this uh, McGizzy feather and I was just like, you know, just, kind of processing some some stuff and on the way home I saw these two these two Aji Jock there uh, and uh I pulled over I put down tobacco they're just beautiful and I get further up the road and this little baby fawn had been struck and killed and there's something one powerful when you see that an animal has been injured or one of our relatives but then to know that it was a baby and I carry a I carry a blanket for that purpose to to you know I was really sad and really teary-eyed about it. And I got home and I called I called um, a cousin and I told my dad about it. And he was just like, well, that was a good thing that you did to honor. But I was like, you know, if I was still on the East Coast, that would have been something that would even register to me to stop and to, 
to pay respect and to take a second, you know, and, and I thought about it. I was like, you know, it doesn't take any amount of, it, it really doesn't take time to be kind and to be respectful. And I'm glad that moving home has reminded me that to, you know, and I, Leah, you were in Boston, you know, how fast some of the East coast energy is, and it's about deadlines and you have to be here and there's meetings and, you know, and you, you just, what's really important in this life can fall away from you. And so I didn't expect to have that experience. I was like, I'm going to go sign some books. I'm going to read some books. I'm going to see my cousin. He's going to make fun of me. And then I'm going to go home, you know? And I get home and I started sketching her out because she was so beautiful. You're talking about how you returned to this mindset uh, when you, you know, came back to Minnesota. And I'm just curious how it reinvigorated your own work as an artist. Um, did you like completely... Were you like not even painting when you're doing your public education work? Or what was that like? I mean, I would wander into the art classroom as a principal so I could hide <laughs> um, and go hang out with seventh graders and eighth graders. And then, you know, whether or, you know, whoever, and they'd be like, Mr. Z can draw. And I'm like, yes, he can, you know. Um, and then, like, if the kids were doing after school art program and they were doing a mural, I'd wander down there, roll up my sleeves, take my tie off and help or whatever. But, like, in terms of, like, truly living as an artist, thinking about being intentional and in painting every day or sketching every day, I went years without touching a paintbrush. Almost 17, 18 years on the East Coast uh, after college, I maybe did four paintings. You know, um, now I average five to 10 paintings a month. We always like to ask, are there any final thoughts you have? Anything else you'd like to mention about your work that we didn't ask about? I will share this only because I've been working on it for a year and a half. And I know, Leah, I think you're up towards the Grand Rapids area. I have a really, a really personal show of, or a collection of ideas and paintings that I'm working on. And, um, it's going to be at the McCrosty in Grand Rapids um, in October and November. And there's something in it. I'm not sure what it is um, that has just kept me focused, which is rare for me because I get so distracted so fast. When it comes to working, I'll have like 10 paintings going at once. But I would, I would share that I have this show starting in October and November. It's going to be focusing on... Not only the, the our language, Ojibwe Moen, but it's going to focus on constellations, um, our relationship with the sky and the spirit, the animal spirits of Minnesota, and the fish and bird spirits of Minnesota and our our plant relatives. So I just want to share that because I've it's been a year and a half in the making, and I I'm almost there. Well, Chimi, great for your time. Really appreciate awesome. it, and uh, look forward to all the updates in the future. Miigwech, so. Ah, miigwech. Sam is so fun. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I got a chance to meet him. I know you've you've talked with him before. I did an episode of Northern Voices with him last year. Great artist, great person. And it just goes to show that with your passions, you can have like a little standby period. Like he worked for. 18 years doing something, but you could always come back to it. Jimmy Goich, Sam Zimmerman, accomplished painter, 
who explores his Ojibwe heritage and his artwork, all while continuing the Anishinaabe tradition of storytelling. And you can follow his work on Instagram and Facebook by searching Crane Superior. His work is now on display at Indigenous Expressions, Love, Culture, and Reinvention over in Duluth at the American Indian Community Housing Organization. And like Sam said, coming up in October, he'll be over at the McCrosty Art Center in Grand Rapids. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Gigawabman. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.